The pharmaceutical industry is a complex and fascinating field. It takes countless of people to bring a high-quality product to the market. In the Qualitox podcast, I bring to you leaders, experts and innovators who will share their experiences and explain to us how they do it. Welcome to the Qualitox podcast. I'm in Kugler host and my guest today is Oliver Rode. Oliver is the founder and CEO of Xenops Chemicals, a company that specializes on sourcing of fine chemicals for the life sciences pharma industries around the world. Oliver is also an expert on the Chinese market. And we're going to talk today with Oliver about the role that China plays in the global export market of raw materials for the pharma industry, about the challenges on finding the right supplier, about quality, the supply chain, and of course about the cultural differences that can make or break the deal. Hi, Oliver. Welcome to the Qualitex podcast. Yes. Hello, Jan. Uh, great being on your show. It's a pleasure. So uh, we want to, to talk um, today a bit about uh, uh, critical raw material sourcing uh, from China. And uh, as I understand, you're the person to go to. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. Um, um, my background in this industry is I used to work 25 years for big chemical and pharmaceutical companies. And a couple of years ago, I decided to start my own business. And what we are doing now is the customer-specific sourcing of critical raw materials, mainly for the pharmaceutical industry, but also sometimes for agrochemicals and uh, other chemical applications. Okay, so you worked a lot uh, in a, a supply uh, chain, and you said, uh, let's do it uh, alone. You, you, you got enough connections yeah, it's. Uh, um, I, I worked in a supply chain, but uh, even more in procurement, and uh, uh, I did a lot of procurement in in China. So that's why I discovered this country, and that's why I built up my network in that country. Because mm-hmm. without the network, without the right colleagues, it's uh, simply not possible. And uh, you're doing mostly the the sourcing from from China. Yes, uh, that is our focus. Of course, we have also good suppliers mm-hmm. and uh, good network in other countries. But since the Chinese chemical industry is so big, you you cannot avoid to uh, look for raw materials for intermediates in that country. Mm-hmm. So, how big is the market actually? How important it is for the pharma companies? I think it's the most important market for pharmaceuticals, for uh, raw materials, for intermediates, for key starting uh, materials. So if you are a serious procurement person, you cannot afford to exclude this market. However, and uh, we will probably touch this later too, it's always good to look at China, but also, of course, into other regions to uh, to uh, have a balanced portfolio of suppliers from different regions, from different countries. So not only uh, China, but the other regions, uh, so Asia in general, or uh, also European, African? Well, uh, if you have a chance to find an alternative supplier in Europe, in the United States, or North America, or even in Africa, that would be great. But... Uh, uh, for a lot of chemicals, there are not many alternatives outside of China. Mm-hmm. So that's why we also focus on, on this country. So is it a really no alternatives or not alternatives with the same cost value? Well, 
um, today, uh, if you are going to China just for cost reasons, then I would say this is a mistake. Uh, you should go Wait, to be, because the the time of really big cost advantages is over. You really have to make a proper total cost of ownership consideration or calculation, and then probably a Chinese supplier, Chinese manufacturer is uh, uh, good, has some advantages, but this should never be the only reason. You have to consider also um, other things like what is security of supply, what are then alternatives in other regions. So if you have alternatives, then you should consider them too. Do you also get the right uh, quality easily there? Yes, because let's say in, in our industry, it's not possible to to uh, accept a low quality even if the price is lower so the best quality or let's say the required quality that is mandatory there's no compromise to accept any any uh, any poor quality products it, it doesn't make sense even if they are a little bit cheaper we cannot use them so quality is always the first thing what we are looking for if we got a for example a specification from a client then there is no doubt we are not going to negotiate about this specification. We are just looking for the right specification and there is uh, there is no compromise regarding the quality. This is always the top priority. Mm -hmm. And uh, you mentioned also safety. Um, how, how safe is uh, the supply chain? You mean the say, uh, the how safe the supply chain from China is? Um, I would say it it really depends. Um, it depends on uh, your business partners. It depends on the overall situation. I would not say that there is a big um, big advantage or disadvantage compared to others. It really depends on the product, on the manufacturer, and on your business partner. So if you cooperate with uh, uh, reliable people, reliable companies, who have a track record in, in this industry, who can give you some references, then I would say from the production point of view, the supply is secured. Then, of course, you have logistic issues. It depends where is your manufacturer located. Is it far away from the next port? Uh, what are the logistic options? And um, these things have to be uh, have to be taken in consideration when you are uh, thinking about a supply from from China, for example. Overall, I don't see if you do your homework properly. Overall, I don't see any any disadvantage if you are building up a supply chain from China. You have to consider, of course, uh, the long transportation time. Uh, especially for critical products, uh, which are sensitive to in-time deliveries. This is something you have to consider. So Oliver, let's say I want to purchase uh, a critical raw material. How do I go about it? How do I find the right uh, supplier uh, with uh, the best uh, quality? Yeah. So when you address this question to us, the first thing what we are doing is we sign a secrecy agreement. We are business professionals. And at the beginning of uh, such a project, it's always uh, important to uh, agree on a secrecy agreement. Then we exchange the uh, required information. For example, if you have a technical package, how to produce this product, uh, then we are very happy to receive this. And of course, we exchange uh, confidential information. What is really your request? Are you looking for an alternative supplier? Are you looking for certain quantities of the, of the product? 
um, where do you stand in the development uh, of, of this material? Um, and then um, we take this information and check within our network, are there potential candidates who can produce this or, or maybe who are already producing this? And then we approach them and check the total background of these companies. So what is the ownership of the company? Where are they located? Um, which technologies do they have in-house? Um, where do they invest the money? How strong are they in R&D? How strong are they in engineering? So we do the whole uh, background checkup. And of course, what is very important, especially in China, you have probably heard about the war against pollution in China. There are so many changes in the last couple of years. The um, environmental policies became very strict. So we have to check, do uh, does this potential supplier have all uh, the right uh, policies in place? Do they fulfill all the environmental uh, policies? Do they have wastewater cleaning, uh, waste uh, incineration, all these things? Uh, so is there any risk that they might be forced to close down? Because you can imagine when we are doing this project, it would be uh, a disaster if we find a suitable supplier, the supplier gets the approval, and then all of a sudden they have to close due to some infringement of environmental policies. Yeah, that would be unfortunate. And it's yes. interesting that uh, you also mention it, uh, because when I talk to Shoab Malik, um, he comes from India, and um, he told me that 70% of the material they import from China. And the reason for that is because many of those materials, materials they are not allowed to produce in India because of their uh, laws against pollution. So the question uh, is what happens uh, and how can it also impact uh, the Indian market if, if uh, in the China suddenly uh, companies will close because of this? I, I don't know, it's another, uh, that um, uh, our topic right now, but uh, this is a thought that occurred in my mind because all the supply chain is um, completely connected um, and all, even in India, who can uh, produce things at um, lower costs in Europe, for example, still depends on China. Yeah, um, there were a lot of uh, supply interruptions in the last couple of years due to these new policies. Um, and these policies were implemented, you can say, overnight. And then all of a sudden, your supplier of a raw material or intermediate disappeared overnight. And then you have no alternative, maybe. So um, I would say this is a development. On the one hand, it's a very good development, but it's like like many things in China, it's happening very, very fast. So if you are in a situation that your supplier uh, has to close down the production, has to stop production, um, then it's uh, really difficult to find alternatives. And I can say these environmental policies, which have been implemented in China now, uh, some of them are even more strict compared to the policies we have in Europe, in North America, or also in India. So um, I expect uh, that this consolidation of the chemical, of the pharmaceutical industry in China will continue. Mm -hmm. 
And it's a very uh, interesting uh, point. So if you say it's uh, even uh, much uh, more stricter India, so uh, where we are heading, it's uh, also very interesting because the Indian market has a huge impact on the whole world because they're a huge player in the pharma market. And uh, you mentioned that uh, it all happens uh, very quickly in China. Why is that? Well, um, that's... well. Uh, Many things in China are changing, are happening very fast. And the implementation of these new policies, mm -hmm. this happened very fast because um, I think all the people, including uh, the politicians, realized how bad the situation uh, was in China. Uh, many people died because of the air pollution. So this this problem was very, very obvious. So in wintertime, when you travel to, to, to Beijing, um, you can really feel, you can really smell the bad air, the pollution. Mm -hmm. So this problem was obvious for everybody. And I think that's the main reason why the government introduced these policies very fast, very quick. Okay. And they, do they give uh, the companies some time to adjust or uh, heads off? Um, it's... I would say they 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 have to implement or they have to react to these policies very very fast yeah and sometimes so fast that you cannot react in in the way okay we are upgrading our wastewater facility because the time frame is too small it takes some time it takes some investment so then the only alternative is that they close down and if they don't fulfill the policy, then the authorities are closing the company. And it can happen if the company is located in a chemical park that not only this individual company is closed down, then maybe the whole chemical site, the whole chemical park has to close, has to shut down. Mm -hmm. And uh, why is it uh, so difficult uh, to find an alternative? Um, because, well, if you have one type of chemistry, which is, let's say... Um, um, quite uh, uh, causing pollution, then of course all these manufacturers are facing the same issue, the same problem. And um, of course the chemical industry is concentrated in certain provinces, not, not the same uh, across the whole country. And these provinces um, have more or less the same policies. So then all of these suppliers are affected the same way. I heard stories that um, one of our clients lost all three raw material suppliers within one week because they were all facing the same problem. They were all in China and they were all facing the same problem and they all had to shut down within one week. Well, that's uh, catastrophic for uh, the company. Yes, and within one week you cannot find alternative no. supplier. And even if, yeah. yeah, of course, even if you can find it, it will take you yes. a lot of time to qualify it. And the so uh, what would you suggest uh, in such situations? Should the uh, companies keep uh, such things in mind and uh, have uh, secondary suppliers in the uh, yes, secondary absolutely. countries? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a, single a single supply su situation is always a very bad thing. Um, as long as you can find alternatives, it's, I would say for, for a procurement person, it's mandatory to uh, qualify a second or a third supplier, even if this supplier is uh, more expensive or um, has other disadvantages. But if you are in a, in a, um, um, a simple supply situation, a single supply situation, 
then you have no chance if for any reason the supplier has to stop production and um, even if you have a second or third supplier which is not as good or more expensive it's it's better than having nothing and then of course it would be I think the best solution that your suppliers are not in the same region, they are spread across the globe, maybe uh, one in Europe, one in Asia and one in, in, in Americas, that would be, I think, the best case. But uh, unfortunately for many raw materials, this is a kind of dream, it's simply not the reality. You mentioned that uh, it takes time to find the right company, so what are actually the challenges in finding the right company? Um, one challenge is there are so many, yeah, and um, you have to really identify what is the portfolio, the, the technology portfolio of one company. Um, I can give you an example. When you have a synthesis, you have to identify what is the key step of the synthesis. As an example, if it's a high-pressure hydrogenation, then you have to find somebody who is qualified to do a high-pressure hydrogenation. Um, there are many, yeah, but you have to find who is the best one who can fulfill the demand in the best way. And um, then, of course, you have to do again the uh, the, the background check. And uh, maybe a company has a very good technology position, but then you identify um, the financial situation of the company is not very solid. So these are all things you have to take you have to take into consideration. So that's why it takes quite some time. Um, to identify a suitable producer of uh, such an intermediate uh, or raw material. It's uh, quite uh, understandable that there are so many, but you need the, the right uh, uh, quality. And uh, so you need uh, actually people on the ground that uh, do the research? Yes, that's, uh, that's absolutely uh, mandatory. Um, you cannot do it, let's say, from abroad. You you have to have reliable people. Um, our experience is the best combination is that you have local people who can speak Chinese, but who have also a background in international companies. So these people, they are aware of the expectations of your client in terms of quality, in terms of documentation, in terms of compliance. But then also, if you are uh, uh, working in a, in a foreign company, it's also very important that you go to China, that you visit this company when you have done the pre-selection to show up, to show that you are serious about this and to talk to the people, to have a look at the production site. Um, I think the best combination is um, um, a local expert together with uh, somebody from the foreign company as a team that is our experience this combination is uh, the best way forward and uh, i bet the cultural differences also play a big role here yes um cultural differences like in every, every country are uh, very important to understand and to to realize and of course to respect these differences uh, don't try to do business um, the way you are used to at home. This doesn't work. That's why it's also very important to have a local person because they are familiar. They are also a kind of bridge between, let's say, the business uh, attitude, the business practice in China compared to uh, the foreign country. So it's um, 
important to realize this and to respect these these differences. And what are the main differences actually? What are the like main the differences? Biggest. Yeah, I, I think uh, in, in, in every country in, in the world, it's very important in business that you build up a relationship. But my experience is in China, it's even more important. I would say relationship is everything. Um, if you are not able to build up a relationship with your supplier, with your uh, manufacturing company, then the whole business will be very difficult. I can give you an example. We were trying to start some business with a company in China a couple of years ago, and for some reason we always failed. But we always kept in contact, and uh, whenever I was in China, I visited them. So over the years, we built up some relationship. And then all of a sudden, last year, we had again the chance to do something together, and then we knew each other already. So then it was very easy, very, very straightforward to start the business. So. It's very important to build up a relationship, uh, to listen to the people, and um, uh, to respect them also for this for these cultural differences. Don't try to bring your own uh, way of business and believe that's that's the only way. Then you will fail. Mm. So the uh, it's uh, for them it's very important the personal relationship, not just the business one. They want uh, really to connect uh, on a personal level. Yes, um, I think it it's it's very difficult, and probably the business won't be successful if, let's say, the the technical terms, um, the business terms are okay, but for some reason you cannot build a personal relationship. Then sooner or later, it it will fail. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, you really need the middleman because uh, for people from uh, Europe or USA that are not from China because uh, the culture is uh, uh, quite uh, different. So the middleman is. Uh, I, I don't important. want to say that it's 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 absolutely mandatory, but let's say if you have a if you have a local colleague, this this will help a lot uh, because this colleague can help you. Um, can help you to avoid any uh, misunderstandings, any difficult situation. Um, so it's it's much easier. But of course, it's not it's not mandatory. If you are uh, if you are willing to spend a lot of time, um, if you are willing to travel many times to China, you might achieve it even without uh, such a person. But our experience is it's much easier um, and much faster if you have a person who is familiar with the local situation, who is capable of speaking uh, the language. So this, is, uh, this will accelerate your project uh, a lot. Mm. So if the people, uh, for if the companies uh, in Europe, for example, go through a, a mediator, it means that they themselves don't have to build those personal relationships because they trust the, um, the middleman? Um, maybe at the beginning of a project, yes, uh, such a middleman would do a, a kind of pre-selection of suitable candidates. But at a certain point, it's very, very important also to show up at this company, uh, to meet them, to uh, discuss, to look at the, uh, to make an inspection at the in the production site. And of course, what is very important to have common dinner. Yeah, that's very important. So. You cannot leave the middleman alone doing the whole project. At a certain stage, you also have to show up. That's that's very important. How open they are for 
uh, for visits, for uh, audits? I think very, very open. Um, uh, sometimes I'm, I, I have the feeling they are even a little bit proud to show what they have and to, to, to guide you around. And I never had the experience that uh, they are hiding something or don't like to show their production. I would, I would understand this that somehow the relationship or the whole project um, is not on a good way if they would reject showing me the production or let's say the the to um, to the middleman showing the production to the uh, to the middleman i would i would understand this that something is not is not right no it's i i Basically, I never had this experience. It's more like they like to show what they are doing, what they have, and uh, they are uh, somehow also proud of this, which is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, because I, I remember I read the, uh, some posts from someone, I think I've, I've seen it through you actually, uh, about a story where somebody wanted to audit a company, but they said you must uh, pay an entrance fee and, uh, and place an order before you are allowed to enter our plant. No, no, that's that's totally ridiculous. That is not professional. And, and if somebody would make such a proposal to me, this would be immediately the signal, no, this is not the right partner. This is not common practice. Maybe now in this very special time for certain products which are in high demand, maybe some people try to take advantage in such a way, but no, this is absolutely not common practice. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear it because it was a bit a scary uh, story. No, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, such an inspection is part of the normal, uh, is part of the project of the, mm-hmm. of the product development. And, and uh, if I have to pay any entrance fee, that that's, that's, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. No. So I understand that uh, people, And some companies don't uh, like being audited, but uh, I think those are the extremes. So it's good that it, uh, it's not a normal act. No, it's, it's not uh, normal. It's not, uh, part, because sometimes uh, when you don't know the culture, you may uh, be fooled to think that something uh, is uh, normal. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that, that's, of course, if you are, as, a, as somebody from Europe or America is going to China for the very first time, you will experience many situations Um, where you are doing some strange things and and you will uh, encounter many misunderstandings, but that's quite normal yeah and take it easy and that's also again the role of the middleman. Uh, this person will help to facilitate the business to get in contact with companies and uh, then it's then it's much easier. What are the normal uh, uh, procedures when you come to such meetings? So I know that they um, so I know that uh, when you present, Uh, people from China your uh, your card your uh, business card uh, it's uh, very important it's uh, like a ritual so you do you're not allowed to uh, stick it in your pocket or throw it uh, on the table you need, need really to appreciate it to look at it uh, think the yeah I, I, I think yeah when when you when you start reading about what is the what is the business attitude the business style in in china you you read about these recommendations nowadays i would say relax uh just behave the normal way it's not so strict anymore now when you visit a company you will be surprised how many 
young people you will meet, yeah, which are, let's say, a CEO or um, head of production, and they are, let's say, 30, 35 years old. And I think especially this young generation don't pay so much attention to these details. I think it's good when you know about this and when you try to follow this, but it's not, uh, let's say it's not a not a no-go or uh, uh, it, it will not kill the project if you are not following these rules very precisely. It's good to know a little bit about this, but don't take it too serious. Mm -hmm. Okay. What would uh, kill a deal? Ah, oh, very difficult to say what would kill the deal. Um, I think I think it's good to give them time. If you make a proposal for a project, uh, give them some time uh, to think about it. Don't try to push them to um, any decision. Um, just wait, be patient. Sometimes such decisions are made very quickly. Sometimes it takes a long time. So just be patient. Listen to the middlemen, to the to the local expert. They always can also um, get some feelings in the course of discussions. What's going on? Are they happy with the proposal or not? So um, I think if you are pushing too much, but that's the same in, in, in any other country, that could could be a kind of uh, killer for the for the project. Mm -hmm. Are there specific areas in China where uh, the uh, best or modern companies are located or you really need to search all, all around because the country is huge? Um, the country is huge, but if you are cooperating, if you are co-working with the right people, of course, they know the industry. It's the same like what we know here, for example, in Europe about the industry. So. For certain topics, they always have a list of potential candidates. And of course, you check these candidates first who have already a track record, who have already some recommendation um, from from other projects, um, who have experience, who have references. Um, but sometimes you don't find um, you don't find any suitable uh, production partner, for example, or supplier. Of course, then you ask within your network um, about some advice, some recommendations for another company. So yes, the country is is very big. There are a lot of a lot of companies, but um, I think those people who have some experience in the country, they know. Uh, a number of candidates and then you have to work on these and only in case you don't find anybody then you have to broaden the scope talk to more people and ask them for more recommendations that's also one thing what we do we go by recommendations um, if we don't know uh, a company by ourselves it's we are not going through any database or any other market intelligence service it's more the personal um, the personal recommendation within our network of people. Do you go to those companies yourself because uh, before you recommend them to your uh, clients? You do some audit? Yes, yes, we do. We do a kind of inspection. It's not like a full audit, but uh, we want to make sure um, that it's a suitable candidate before we uh, disclose the name of the company or before we give the recommendation to our client, hey, this is a suitable candidate. Of course, we want to be sure that this is really a suitable candidate. And uh, so that's why it's absolutely mandatory for us 
to go there to see the production, to see the company, and to talk to the people. That's absolutely mandatory before we make a recommendation to our client. A question about uh, the quality and the qualification. How easy is it to get uh, the documentation? Do all the suppliers know the procedures and uh, the, do they understand the expectation of the European and the American uh, regulations that they need to provide specific uh, documentation for the raw material? I think um, most of the companies are very open, um, no problem to get the documents, but the understanding um, of the importance of the documents is different. Um, if you are, if you are um, talking to a big company, big pharmaceutical company who has already international experience, it's, it's no problem. They know exactly what, what we are looking for. But if it's a smaller company, maybe with not so much experience, they are not always aware which type of documents are necessary. And it's on the one hand, what we check, on the one hand, we check, let's say, the local documents that they have, for example, a business license. And then, of course, let's say all the documents regarding the quality. And um, they are willing to present these documents. And what we are doing is, and this is also mandatory, we check each and every document very, very carefully. We don't rely on the document what we are what we are uh, what we get we don't uh, trust this piece of paper we always do additional checks if it's a real document and uh, we we always double check it yes mm -hmm. yeah because i i have also an experience uh, of uh, of my own dealing uh, with uh, uh, chinese suppliers and uh, it was during the qualification of a manufacturer who produces the uh, packaging materials. And during the qualification, I had to review some documentations that they sent us. And then uh, we get from our procurement department some documents. And on one document, we have uh, one uh, company name with one address. On the other, we have completely different company name and address. Um, I started to get confused. Um, everybody in the procurement uh, started to get confused. And then uh, it took time until we had all the communication sorted out. Uh, and it uh, then uh, we found, found out that it's quite common in, uh, in China to open several companies to reduce some taxes. And yes. uh, then uh, and it complicated all the activities because we had to wait for the CEO of the company to sign some document that this is uh, the same company under the same roof. Um, so it was uh, for us strange because it's uh, a two documentation for the same product with different company names. So yes. I guess uh, if you're more aware about the market, it's something that's uh, probably not that surprising. Um, yes, uh, this this can happen. Um, I have a similar experience a couple of times that I made a po appointment with a company and when I arrived at this company with my local colleague, then we stand in front of the door of a totally different company, different company name. But then we realized or we were told, okay, this is another company of the same boss and just for 
reasons of uh, easier um, to set up the meeting in an easier way. We meet at this company. So you have to clarify this. And that's why it's also very important that you have a local person because these, uh, the local, the, the Chinese can realize, hey, at which company are we right now? Yeah. Or I can give you another example. The, the definition in China, what is a producer, is a little bit different um, according to our understanding, what is a producer. So if you ask somebody, are you a producer of this? Then they say, yes, even if they don't have an own manufacturing facility, but let's say the friend of a brother has a manufacturing facility, then they still understand themselves as a manufacturer. So you really have to look who is really the manufacturer. What is the manufacturing company? Another example, um, I and I, I also recommend to visit trade shows, exhibitions in China, because um, like uh, many other uh, trade shows, you can do a lot of meetings, you can see and you can meet a lot of people in a very short period of time. And of course, it's it's you are highly welcome to uh, uh, visit these booths and have discussions there. It's, uh, it's very efficient. And um, there are a lot of uh, small exhibitors. And for example, they offer 30 different APIs. No company in the world is producing all of these 30 APIs because behind these are different production technologies. But when you ask this exhibitor, are you a producer? They say yes. Of course, you know it's not true because nobody in the world is producing all these APIs. And then when you ask a little bit more, then you learn, okay, they are the manufacturers of five of these APIs and the other 25 they come from companies where they have a good relationship, maybe a good friend uh, within the same network. So these are the little things you have to experience and um, um, they are important to understand and, and then you have a much better picture of these uh, suppliers of these manufacturers, what are really their capabilities. It's really fascinating uh, how much a person needs to learn about uh, different uh, markets and how different it is. So how big is the market, the export market uh, of uh, raw materials for the pharma industry right now in comparison to how much uh, companies buy uh, in the, from uh, uh, the same uh, land or neighboring lands? Uh, because uh, from my, my experience, I cannot recall that we sourced a lot uh, or at all from uh, China, uh, only the packaging materials. Since China is the biggest market for for chemicals, both in production and both and and in in consumption, I I think the proportion of export is very high, and we know all about our dependence on China, especially for pharmaceuticals, ge generics, intermediates. So we in Europe, in Americas, and also India being the biggest generic manufacturer, but we all depend on the supply from uh, from China. So if for any reason this supply is interrupted, then after some time we are in trouble because we do not have these alternatives. Now we have the situation where we realize even before the current crisis, a lot of pharmaceuticals are in short supply and now the politicians stand up and say, and they are demanding, hey, we need this pharmaceutical production back in Europe. It's very easy to say this, but I think uh, it takes three to five years to set up a GMP plant in, in Europe. So it's very easy to demand this on the one side, but the reality is different.
Yeah, because it's not that easy to grow companies from uh, from nowhere yes. that they produce uh, the amounts that uh, are produced in China and uh, the variety that is produced from China. Right. So right. Um, they can demand companies, uh, they can uh, suggest companies to produce some materials, but it may not be uh, convenient or uh, profitable for them, let's say, for China. Yes, and let's say in, in, in many countries, um, especially here in Europe, over the last 10, 15 years, um, let's say the the conditions to produce, for example, generics are simply not, 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 uh, not favorable. That's why these productions disappeared and that's why we see them now in in other countries like in india and and in in china of course you mentioned the shortage and the now with the corona crisis uh, how do you see uh, the situation right now because if we will uh, feel or we get uh, to know the feeling of shortage it uh, would probably be during this uh, corona crisis yeah i i think well, I would describe the situation like like this. Right now, I would estimate that eighty percent of the chemical and the pharmaceutical industry is uh, in operation again in China, maybe not at full capacity. And I heard from uh, a couple of companies now they have the difficulties to export because in the export countries now uh, we have the situation of a lockdown or we have logistic issues. So now it's more the situation that the exports are more difficult. Um, I don't think that it's a it's a matter of supply right now. Um, so compared to let's say uh, two months before, the picture changed. Yeah, then the country China was under lockdown, logistics were difficult, and um, it was difficult to get uh, material from uh, uh, from China. Now it changed a little bit. I think now production is back again to quite a, a, a big extent. Uh, but now um, what I hear from a couple of companies, they have now problems because um, uh, export is difficult in terms of logistics and for certain products, there's simply no demand. Uh, why, why is that? Because the companies in those, co- in those countries stopped the manufacturing, manufacturing yes. because of the corona? Yes. Okay, so it's a chain of events. They cannot uh, uh, easily export because there are not enough employees also probably in other countries because the, the other countries uh, exactly. in Europe and, and so on are yeah. in lockdown in the USA. So everything, the chain uh, stops. And do you see uh, also shortages right now uh, in, with your clients or uh, other pharmaceutical companies? Um let's say already before the crisis there were there there was a shortage for certain pharmaceuticals and i think now with the crisis this became even uh, a, a much bigger problem yeah and and the whole development uh, um of this of this sh- shortage is accelerated now by 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 this crisis so um it seems to me that these this crisis um is not causing really a very new shortage, but the shortages which we had already before are now just getting bigger and, and accelerated. Why is there a shortage already beforehand? Because of uh, those new pollution laws? 
That is one reason, yes, uh, because a lot of companies had to had to shut down, uh, and um, there were no there were no alternatives. So it's a consolidation of the industry. The number of producers, the number of players in this market uh, uh, is getting reduced, um, and so that is that is one reason why um, um, certain uh, APIs, certain intermediates are in shortage. Mm -hmm. And uh, where do you what what do you see in the future of uh, uh, the business relationship uh, with China? How does it uh, look? The um, the foresight for the future would it, uh, would the uh, cooperation grow with time, or uh, would it be problems because of some shortages or closures that companies would look for other uh, alternatives? Um. I hope it's a it's a combination of both. Um, I personally, I'm very much in favor that we um, that we improve our business, our trade relations with uh, with China. I'm a strong supporter of global supply, but on the other hand, I think for certain products, it's always good to have an alternative. And if we identify for a certain let's say API that there are not sufficient alternatives, then we have to build up these alternatives. Probably at another at another place, not not in China. And then there is one thing, of course, what we should not forget: China is a very very big market, and I think no pharmaceutical company and no uh, chemical company can afford to to have no presence in in that country. The market is very big, and and the pharmaceutical market in China is increasing. It's it's growing. Yeah, so nobody can afford to uh, uh, have no presence in in this market. So Oliver, thank you very much uh, for all this information. Uh, I also find the Chinese market a very important uh, a player and uh, it's really great that there are people who are helping uh, to uh, and guiding companies to connect uh, with uh, the Chinese market and uh, with uh, the other ones uh, in the world. So thank you for that, for sharing this uh, interesting information. And um, if people want to contact you for guidance, advice, uh, how can they find you? Yeah, Jan, uh, first of all, thanks a lot for giving me the opportunity to uh, discuss a little bit about uh, China, our experience in this market. Um, people who would like to get in contact with me, just drop an email at info at xenopschemicals.com. That's the best way to contact me. Perfect. So again, Oliver, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you for uh, watching this episode of the Qualitox podcast. I hope uh, you enjoyed it and uh, learned something. If you did, uh, consider subscribing and uh, watch the other episodes on qualistory.com. Stay compliant and see you in the next one.